0: Welcome to Advance Your Art. If you are interested in making money from your art, using your artistic background to your advantage when switching careers, or if you are just plain stuck, you've come to the right place. Now let's get started and have some fun with your host, Yuri Cataldo.
1: Hello, and welcome to another episode of Advance Your Art with Yuri Cataldo. If you're interested in learning how to build a company, make money from your art, or if you're just feeling stuck, you've come to the right place. Every week I sit down with a creative entrepreneur to discuss the who, what, and why of their journey. If you like this episode, please remember to like, subscribe, and share it with a friend. Today, I'm sitting down with Brent Eviston, author of a brand new, exciting book, The Art and Science of Drawing. Brent, hello, welcome to the show, how are you? I'm doing great, Yuri, I'm I'm, I'm feeling curious, I'm excited about our conversation, I'm ready to dive in. Excellent. So am I. I know we talked about this a little bit beforehand, but um, as somebody who went to a couple of different art schools and struggled for so long and so many classes for so many years on just how to draw something that doesn't look like complete garbage, I don't know that I ever actually succeeded at that, but uh, I'm really excited to hear about your new book and your process uh, because I was always looking for like a new way to approach drawing. Um, So before we get into that, how do you describe yourself and what you do?
0: So I think of myself primarily as a draftsman, as somebody who draws. And I've been drawing my entire life. Uh, Like most young people, I started drawing at a very young age. But unlike most people, I never stopped And it's uh, been one of the defining uh, focuses of my life. Um, In addition to somebody who draws, uh, I also am a teacher and I I taught my very first uh, class in the late 90s when I was in my, uh, you know, in my late teens and I absolutely fell in love with teaching. Teaching is such an amazing way to connect with students about, about art and in a way that I could connect with people about drawing. So drawing and teaching has been the, the focus of my life. I feel so privileged to be able to work with students. And you know, seeing, seeing a student learn and seeing their mind open up and them developing a new skill is just such an amazing experience. Yeah. Uh, so, um, a few years ago after teaching for nearly 20 years, I started teaching online and teaching online has been absolutely incredible. Uh, that's, um, my, my business is all about teaching online. And so I've developed a series of online courses called the art and science of drawing. Um, my wife and I co-own this, this educational business together and, Um, over the last five years, we're now, well, we've, we've grown the business. We're just having a few students enrolled and now we have over 150,000 students enrolled in courses in over 170 countries. So it's been an amazing experience and, um, online teaching has allowed me the time and freedom to be in the studio more, make the art I'm interested in making. And um, yeah, so it's, it's how, how we support our family and it's been
1: fantastic. And so, yeah. Yeah. Well, congratulations. That's, that's absolutely amazing that your, your reach is so vast. That's wonderful. I'm, so I'm, I'm curious just because I was looking at your LinkedIn before this, uh, it it looks like you studied environmental design. What, please tell me more about that. What, what, (laughs) what, what was that like? And what made you want to initially study environmental design?
0: Sure. Well, I didn't want to study environmental design. Um, so when I was uh, younger, my dream job was to be an Imagineer at Disney. And environmental design at, at Otis College of Art and Design, that's where I, where I attended, um, that focused on everything you need to know to create an environment. So that, that's where that name comes from. So everything from architecture, landscape design, lighting design, um, object design so it was anything you needed to know so a lot of people who went into that program ended up being architects or theatrical set designers um, and, and went into professions like that so
1: it's the art of designing environments gotcha okay very cool so talk to me then about your career post college so I'm, I'm i'm guessing that that you so did you eventually get to get to be an imagineer or at disney or, or did that that uh, your career kind of take a, a twist and turn from there?
0: Yeah, it took a very different route. So um, so I decided that I wanted to be an Imagineer when I was 10, 11 years old. And I think like many of those childhood dreams, um, the reality ends up being very different. So I ended up um, being scouted by Imagineering. And after you know going to the Imagineering studio, sitting down with Imagineers, it's an amazing job. Um, I'm sure many people absolutely love doing it. But I think that I, I just didn't see a life working with, with the Disney corporation for my entire life. And it ended up being a little different. I wanted to, to take on a different challenge rather than you know, making rides based on the, the Disney repertoire. And so again, you know, it, it's an amazing career for many people. It's just ended up not being what I hoped it would be, um, what I hope, what my 10 year old self hoped it would be. And so, um, so after that, I took some some time off, and I you know spent a couple of years um, just exploring life, getting you know any job I could take. And um, as as I'm sure you know, and as as your audience knows, figuring out how to make a living as somebody who's who's a creative person or an artist or a designer can be very challenging. And so, um, so during that period, I return to drawing, which is the one thing that I've done my whole life, the one thing that I'm really good at. And um, I, I began teaching drawing uh, during, during that period. Um, I, I, I returned to teaching drawing. And one thing I realized is that there are so many lessons that you can learn from drawing that apply to the rest of life. And so because I knew how to draw, I knew how to do this one thing well, um, I ended up seeing, well, you know what are what other aspects of life are similar to the drawing process? and how how can I leverage my drawing skills and figuring out how to build a creative career outside of that? And that's what led to you know, uh, teaching and building the business that
1: that I currently have. Okay, Great. So I, I want to talk about then the business you currently have and what that moment where you decided that this, like I wanted that you want to create this online, business that teaches students or individuals how to, how to draw what was that process like and what resources were you looking at on how to start a, a business sure so uh, I I am very surprised that
0: the business has taken off <laughs> the way it has um, and uh, my my thought is you know if, if I can start a business you know somebody who went to art school and draws like it's open to to so many people. And so I'm very encouraging, if you have an interest in starting a business, just start one. It's not as hard as as you think it's gonna be. Um, So the core of of my business is is my teaching. And I was really fortunate to have taught for a decade and a half before I ever started doing online teaching. So during that decade and a half when I was doing face-to-face classes with students, I was really testing what kinds of drawing methods would show the best results. And, you know, drawing is hard. As you know, drawing is very challenging to learn, and it's not a very straightforward path. And so I spent 15 years or so trying to figure out what methods work for students and what's actually yielding results um, and what's getting them there quickly, because drawing is one of those skills that if you don't have really solid instruction, you can spend a decade or more just doing tiny improvements. And so I just road tested as many different kinds of teaching techniques as I could and uh, designed a lot of my own teaching techniques um, to see, you know, to, to provide students with the best possible drawing instruction that I could come up with. So. At some point, my, uh, my students started asking, you know, is, there, is there a book or are there videos that you can recommend that you know, have these, these ideas? And of course, you know, I'm, I teach a lot of tried and true methods, but so many of the things that I was teaching uh, were of my own design. And so I decided to, um, to put together a series of videos that was initially just designed for my face-to-face students. And, um, and because I, I love teaching, because I, I respect and care about my students so much, I just put everything I had into creating the best possible uh, instructional videos. And um, at some point, my wife said, you know, you, there are online teaching places like you know, Udemy, or Skillshare, that you can put your courses up. You know, why don't you try and see what happens? And so we did. And the first month, you know, we just had one or two enrollments. The second month, we had 20 the uh, third month, we had a few hundred enrollments. The fourth month, we had over a thousand, and it just—we were kind of shocked to see um, the the classes grow. And and my my best guess as to why they're resonating with people is because I put the teaching first, and that that is critical. I really try to provide students with good instruction, and the face-to-face teaching experience has really allowed me to understand where students are coming from and to be able to anticipate what questions they're likely to ask. And so that's at, at the core of, of the business.
1: Sure. So for your online classes on these platforms, did you, it all was all of that, Those signups all organic, were you doing any, any marketing on top of that, or did the sites really, you know, perpetuate this growth? Yeah. Great question. Um, I, uh, I did no marketing,
0: and um, the, the courses grew very organically. Now, of course, Udemy and Skillshare put some money into marketing, and, and I, I'm not quite sure how they decide what to market, but um, you know, the, the first few students who came into the courses reviewed them very well, and you know, as the courses grew, the enrollments grew, the, the, the ratings for the courses stayed very high. And so it, it happened pretty organically. And um, you know I'm such a big advocate of, of teaching. I think for anybody, if you're inclined at all to teach, to share that knowledge, I really encourage people to do that. And um, I'm often asked by people who like to teach or who are interested in getting into online teaching, and so often I get asked questions like, well, what kind of camera are you using? Or what kind of audio equipment are you using? Or you know, how are you editing your, your courses? And I say, like, these are not the right questions. How you succeed in this field is like, go teach, really get to know your students, put together the best possible lessons. And if you're really connecting with an audience, it'll grow. And um, And I think that's so important. Like I'm not particularly good at video editing or audio or, you know, any of those kinds of, of skills, but, but I have a lot of teaching experience and I, and I can connect with students so that is the most
1: important aspect. Wonderful and it sounds like that really comes through on these on these videos, which is great. So, so tell me about your book then, the the art and science of, of drawing. What, I know you, you mentioned in the beginning that your students were asking for something like something like this but what really made you go. Now is the time for me to create a book, and I'm going to create this specific book. Sure. Well, I'm going to answer that in a bit of a roundabout way. So
0: um, I have always loved writing, and um, for whatever reason, I've just had this habit of writing uh, since I was pretty young, just kind of writing to figure out what my thoughts are, you know, what my opinions are, writing about, you know, my just to sort out what's going on in my head. And so I've always loved writing. And I started writing a drawing book around 10 years before I got the opportunity to actually write one, just kind of collecting my own notes. Nobody ever read any of this writing. It was just, you know, mostly for me, but I'm just trying to collect my thoughts on the drawing process. And uh, after the, um, the success of the, the courses, uh, I was actually contacted by a publisher, Rocky Nook, and they were looking for somebody to, uh, to write a drawing book. And they said that they, they mostly focus on photography books, but they're looking to branch out. And so they contacted me to see if I'd be interested in, in writing a book. And I thought, well, I've been writing this book for 10 years. This is great. <laughs> I might as well take this opportunity. And so so that's how the book came to be. And it was really exciting to be able to fulfill you know a dream of of writing a drawing book and having it connect with people and um so the the book itself distills what i teach in my courses um both online and face-to-face it distills uh, the drawing process down into its most essential lessons the most powerful things that you can learn so my goal with this is if somebody's a beginner and they're interested in drawing they can pick up this book and learn the the fundamentals, the absolute most essential drawing skills in a way that's clear and concise and streamlined. Uh, It's a very project-oriented book, so you always know exactly what you should be practicing and in what order and how these skills combine. Uh, it's also a, a book that I am. Um, I am told that people who are more experienced artists are getting a lot out of because it's all about revisiting fundamentals. And as I'm sure you know, um, so much of getting good at something is returning to the fundamentals. And you know, often when people um, ask me what I'm doing to practice, you know, they often assume that I'm you know studying these really kind of high-minded anatomical things or these really specific, like, heavy, you know, esoteric skills, like, no, I'm, I'm drawing circles, I'm drawing straight lines, I'm, you know, practicing shading spheres, like, that's mostly what I do to practice, and those fundamentals are really what is critical for skill building. And I do, you know, more, more complex practicing as well, but, but those fundamentals are, are key, and so that's what the book
1: really focuses on. Okay, wonderful. So that's—I mean—that was going to be my my next question on that side of it. But that's great that you break everything down so so uh, so well. How when you approach, let's say, figure drawing, um, how how do you think about? I know this might be getting a little deeper quickly, but I'm just really curious on this part of it. Um, having right. then owned a bunch of books about <laughs> like figure drawing, but when you're Looking at the, the human figure in a model in front of you, how do you break down the human body in a way that allows you to be, you know, a, yeah, to, to draw that in an in a, in a efficient way? Right. So, so what I talk about
0: is that any kind of drawing, whether it's figurative or animals or, or, or any, any other subject, comes down to figuring out what the basic shapes are. And so, um, so before we get into figure drawing, um, I, I should note that figure drawing is definitely an advanced form of drawing. So I always recommend that before you start figure drawing, study the fundamentals. Um, if, if you are struggling to, to draw and shade a basic cylinder, then the human body is just going to be you know, a, a nightmare to deal with. The human body is so complex. But so once you understand how to draw like basic spheres, basic egg shapes, basic cubes, basic cylinders, what you realize is that the human body is just a, a collection of those basic volumes. So if you understand those basic volumes um, and you can get them in the right size at the right place, then the rest of it really falls into place. And so when I talk about um, teaching drawing generally, but figure drawing, if, when you look at a, uh, at your, at, at a figure and you see an arm. Well, an arm is hard to draw. But if you can look at that arm and say, oh, well, that arm is just a cylinder you know, for the upper part of the arm, and it's an ovoid shape for the shoulder, well, I know how to draw those. And once you can translate complex form into more basic volumes, then the entire experience of drawing becomes much more manageable. And so, um, and the details uh, come last. So when I'm, when I'm teaching a figure drawing, in any form of drawing, it goes from simple to complex, right? You start off with the most basic, simplified version you can, and slowly add detail and complexity. So approaching the figure that way is what I recommend. And, and that is not intuitive for most people. Um, as I'm sure you know, um, it's really easy to get drawn in by a detail, like an eye or a particular muscle or a bone coming to the surface. And if you start there and try and build around that, that's a really hard way to draw. So I just tell students, pull back, you know, deal with it simply first. Get those basic volumes at the right place, at the right size, and then, then the details are much easier to deal with later on.
1: Sure, that's, that's great. I'm, so I'm curious how your business has evolved during COVID. So it, it sounds like, you know, most of what you were doing potentially was online, but how has this last year and a half uh, shaped and, and potentially influenced the way that you approach your business? Sure.
0: So, uh, well, first I will say, you know, the, the suffering and loss of life has been really challenging uh, to witness. And... Obviously, I would. You know, this this has been a really difficult period for so many people. Um, when the uh, when the pandemic hit, my wife and I decided that we were just going to really isolate and um, just to see where this is all all going to play out. Because you know, at the beginning of the pandemic, we really didn't know how serious it was going to be. We didn't know how long this was going to last, and in some ways, we still don't. Um, And so we decided to pretty seriously isolate, but within that we decided, well, you know, let's not focus on what we're losing by, by isolating. Let's figure out how to make this period of isolation, however long it lasts, one of the most meaningful and profound experiences of our life. So we, we really set to work to see how we could just focus on our, our relationship, how we can grow the business. Uh, me as an artist, I, I asked myself, well, what could I do without distractions from the outside world? It's just going to be, you know, me and my house and my studio for this indefinite period of time. Like, how can I, how can we best take advantage of this? So we really focused on, you know, getting a break from the outside world. And, um, and part of that was focusing on the business. And when it seemed like suddenly the whole world was, you know, Sitting at home looking for things to do, and a lot of people decided that they wanted to use that time to learn to draw. And so, um, so as we were focusing on improving the courses, you know, making updates, uh, being more active with students online, um, there was suddenly a much bigger audience. And so it was, you know, it was a real privilege and honor to be able to connect with students from all over the world who were, were all kind of, you know, so many of us were doing something similar. We're all sitting at, at home trying to figure out what we want to do mm-hmm. with, this, with this time mm-hmm. and this challenging situation. And, um, you know, I, I think it's been meaningful for many students and I know it's certainly been meaningful for me to, to have this positive focus during this challenging time to be able to connect with students.
1: Yeah. So with with you know what's happened in the last year, has that like moving forward, and let's say you know things are starting to open up a bit more, are you are you leaning one way or another toward your business model, um, and developing it you know differently from maybe how you were doing it before the the pandemic hit?
0: Yeah, um, I mean the, the business is always evolving and growing and and. Um, responding to the student base. And my guess is, as things open up, uh, the people are gonna be excited to you know, get back outside and get back to, to a, a normal life. And so my guess is that um, you know, all the business may see a, a, a dip in, in engagement at that point, um, but you know, we've gained so many students. And one thing that um, I've realized as a, as a teacher particularly during a challenging time like the pandemic is, you know, I'm not just teaching drawing skills. I'm teaching life skills. I'm teaching people how to manage the the thoughts in their head. And and one thing that's really innate to the drawing process is really tuning into the conversation that's going on in your head and being able to manage it. So, um, and I think the teaching career is starting to include a lot more of uh, essentially teaching mindfulness, teaching creativity, you know teaching self awareness in addition to just teaching drawing and and that was that was unexpected you know i thought i'd get into this just kind of teaching people how to draw this technical skill but but drawing opens up so many conversations about you know identity and self awareness and how how we
1: process information yeah i'm so I'm, along with that i'm i'm curious about the idea of fear so um, I know, again, from my own experience, picking up a pencil for the first time like that, the terrifying feeling of like staring at the blank page and like trying to just go through that, but like either in, in your business or how you work with your students, but the idea of fear around drawing and then even you know, in your business aspect of it, how do you approach this idea and help students to move past that? That, that is
0: such an important question, and I have I have so much to say on this topic and uh, you know, pl- please let me know if this is getting a little a little too caught in the weeds here, but. Um, so, because I've been teaching for so long and i've worked with so many students, um, I realized very quickly that adults who are learning to draw they berate themselves privately in their mind in ways that if they were to, if you were to say these things out loud to like a kid learning to draw, it would be verbal abuse. And this is such a pervasive problem that I now address it on the first day of every class that I teach. And it's, it's amazing to see, you know, when I say like, you know, pay attention to how you're talking to yourself in the privacy of your own mind. And students, when I ask like, you know, what do you notice yourself saying? They will say things like, oh, I, i you know, I, I usually I start drawing, I think it's going to be great. You know, I, I mess up, I make mistakes. It doesn't look the way I want them. And, and they'll start asking themselves things like, well, why did I ever think I could do this? Or you know, like, is everyone in the class better than I am? Or like, oh, that was such a stupid mistake. And, and this is, this is how most people start off drawing. And and I imagine most people start off this way, learning any new skill. And so I really, I really teach them to to hone in on that conversation, and and I try and make a pact with my students and say, you know, don't talk to yourself in the privacy of your own mind, in a way that you would not talk to a child learning to draw. Now that doesn't mean that you can't notice your mistakes, and in fact, you know, noticing mistakes is a critical part of the drawing process. And so, um, but but first, it's about you know. St- telling students that it's okay to stop berating yourself. This is not a helpful way to learn new skill. And uh, yeah, so so students are so terrified of making mistakes. And um, so what I teach at the very beginning is you're going to make mistakes. And it's fine. Like, I, I've been drawing my entire life. I'm a professional. This is how I make my living. It's how I support my family. And in every single drawing I do, within the first 20 minutes, I make dozens of mistakes. But how the drawing process works is you simplify your subject. You start drawing with um, basic shapes as lightly as you possibly can, because you know they're not going to be right the first time. And then you set about asking questions that are going to get you to where you're going. Does this need to be bigger or smaller? Does this shape need to be tilted a little more or less? Does it need to be moved around? And as soon as you can get into that habit of asking questions and answering them, um, you realize that the quality of your drawing comes down to the quality of questions you're asking yourself in your head. And if you're asking yourself something like, you know, how could I be so stupid? Well, your brain is going to answer that question. (laughs) It's going to be a very difficult process, but if instead you're asking yourself questions that are going to, move you toward a more finished or, or complete drawing, then that's a much better habit to get into. So I try and shift students away from that, that, that negative self-talk that so many people seem to engage in and try and give them better mental habits. And again, this is why I, I'm, I say that drawing is so much more than just what's happening on the paper. And this is a skill that once you get good at it in drawing, many students report, thinking this way in other aspects of their life as well. So they stop criticizing themselves brutally and they start asking better questions about how to get to where they wanna go. So that, that is, is that an
1: answer to your question about how, do, how I teach students dealing with fear and? Yes, it, it, uh, it definitely does. And I, so I was like smiling all through that because I remember those early days um, of learning how to draw very well, of like saying horrible things yeah. To myself about my ability and like what I was good at, and, and it was a, you know, a process I had to go through, similar to as you're describing, of like getting out of that habit of just like berating myself because it wasn't helping me to do anything. And I, um, again, I've spent a lot of time with artists in, in many stages, and it's, it's unfortunate that that type of self doubt and self sometimes self loathing is very prominent. Where, how do you answer the question of like that some artists bring up that they have to be like that's where their creativity comes from like de- depression or negativity is where is the, the root of their real creativity and how do you think about like the idea of like where creativity comes from.
0: Uh, that, that is a huge question Yuri. Um, so I suppose I would say first that that has not been my experience. And there, there are so many ways to deal with creativity. And uh, I don't know that there are wrong ways of doing it. I imagine there are better and worse ways. What I will say is at the times of my life when I've experienced anxiety or, or, or depression, those have not been the, pro- the most productive times of my life. Um, and it is getting back into work, into working in the studio and trying to you know, manage that conversation in my head that, that has yielded um, more, more productive parts of life. So, so one distinction I would want to make here is that you know, teaching drawing, drawing can be very creative, but in a sense, drawing is a tool for creativity. So drawing can be a very technical process as well. So once you know how to draw, once, once you develop a competence with drawing, you can use it in a myriad of creative ways. Um, but so I like to, to kind of focus in on the drawing part and deal with it, not as, as a creative outlet in and of itself. I deal with drawing almost like writing. Um, you know, once you, when you kind of learn the grammar of it, you learn the rules, you learn how to communicate something visually to a viewer, and once you have a handle on that, it can then be used creatively. So um, I, my, my answer to your question, I suppose, is that Creativity, I think, very much deals with the unknown and the unknown can be very anxiety inducing and uh, creativity deals with with a lot of gray areas of life. Um, One one habit when I'm teaching creativity that I tell people is to always challenge your your beliefs, whatever those might be, political beliefs, religious beliefs, familial beliefs. Um, I, I have a rule that if I ever read a book that focuses on on a subject from one point of view, then I obligate myself to read a book coming from a different point of view. And I think that's so important because you know, dogma, ideology, any, any way of thinking that you're getting stuck in is going to be the enemy of, of creativity. And so um, so I encourage students to, yeah, encourage uh, challenge your beliefs, seek out different ways of thinking, not because... And I'm not advocating for any sort of particular set of beliefs here, but just that process of learning their other ways of thinking. Uh, You know, creativity is so much about generating a lot of different ideas, and that requires thinking in different kinds of ways. And so that process in and of itself can be very anxiety-inducing for people. You know, to take a, a passionately held set of beliefs or a way of living your life and to get a different point of view... You know, it can be very frightening, but it's also essential. I mean, you—if creativity requires exploring the unknown, something that is creative by definition is going to be something that is new. And to generate something that is new, you can't think in the ways that you've always thought before. So, um,
1: so I don't know. Does that is does that sort of answer your question? Yes, yes, definitely. Thank you so much. I so the last question I have for today is so given everything you've done and experienced so far what would you say is the best advice that you were ever given? Yeah well I've 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 been thinking
0: about this a lot and I um this is a bit personal but um you know I've drawn my whole life and when I got into my very first college drawing class you know I came in with a lot of experience and I had a teacher uh, his name was Rush White and he sat me down one day and he said, Brent, whenever I see a student like you who seems to already know how to do all of these things, you already seem to know how to, how to draw, you seem to know how to shade, you seem to know, understand these things. Whenever I see a student like you, I always ask, what the hell happened to you as a child? And I, I was really taken aback by this rather forward question. But, you know, through a series of conversations, he really opened me up to this idea that, no matter where you come from, no matter what what experiences you've had, you know, no matter what traumas you've had in your life, there's always a way not only to not have those um, define your life, but but to have them be an, an asset to your life. To learn how to use trauma or negative experiences as a springboard into learning new things. And so, you know, he had this idea that. St- you know, people who experience challenges growing up, um, at least for drawing, it, it it really heightens their sense of awareness of their environment. It heightens observational skills, and and it opened me up to this idea that wow, like these challenging experiences that people have, there are there are lessons, there are secret benefits there if you know how to leverage them. And so again, that's that's something with uh, with drawing that's become so important to me is learning how to take the drawing process, which is all about making mistakes and correcting them and managing the conversation in your head. And uh, you know, that was such a profound uh, a series of conversations I had. So, so that was the best advice, learn how to take things that are seeming liabilities and how to turn them into assets. And if you can do that, then anything that happens in your life,
1: good or bad, is always going to be moving you forward. Yeah, that's, that's wonderful. Um, Thank you. That's actually a, a fantastic, uh, astute observation on that. Um, so th- again, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me today. I, I really appreciate it. If the listeners would like to buy your book, take your courses or follow you online, where is the best place they can go to do all that? Yeah, so yeah, if you're interested in, in my courses, my
0: book, um, the, the art that I create, uh, visit evolveyourart.com. That is, that is my teaching website where I have information on, on all of these. And thank you so much, Yuri. It's been a pleasure talking to you and it's been, yeah, it's been a great conversation.
1: Wonderful. Well, thank you so much. And I will put all of those links in the show notes so listeners can click right through. Wonderful. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to another episode of Advance Your Art with Yuri Cataldo. If you like this episode, please remember to give us a five-star rating, like, and share with a friend. Our theme music is written and mixed by Chicago-based composer Ryan Black of Black Bones Collaborative. To listen to the full catalog of our episodes, go to advanceyourart.com. To see what I'm working on or book a time with me, or buy a copy of my book, Be Left Behind, go to yuricataldo.com. Thank you so much, and have a great day.